Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 650 for August 15th, 2020, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz, and he is back with Taming the Terminal, 40 of N, I think, to close, finish up with our TMUX discussion. Is that right? It is indeed a wrap-up of our little series within a series on TMUX. Well, this is the first episode that we are recording after Bart has found out that uh, Taming the Terminal is now a book. Yeah. So if everyone listening, of course, this is probably not news because maybe you scan the really cool 3D barcode to make our voices come into your ears. <laughs> but this series existed before the book for many, many years. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty exciting for us to get to do this. So this will be the first time we'll we'll publish an episode where you're writing it in ASCII Doctor now. And it will be published as uh, part of the book. It'll be an update to the book. And we hopefully you will <laughs> you will uh, actually hear this and see this in your in your book, right? Yeah, I mean, yourself and Helma used a whole bunch of open source tools to make the book, all without telling me, by the way, uh, for those of you listening, um, which was quite a surprise. Uh, so this is my first time attempting to write the new way instead of just posting it to my blog as a blog post. This has now been written in, in ASCII Doctor uh, in VS Code, which is different. <laughs> so using a code editor to write a book that becomes a blog post, that becomes an EPUB, that becomes a Kindle book, that becomes a website. <laughs> yeah, although I don't think it's ever going to be a blog post. It's one bit it's, it's going well, to not be anymore. what is a blog post? Uh, it's an RSS-based, uh, it, it's a collection of textual posts organized chronologically with an RSS feed. Ah, is there no RSS feed from GitHub? Uh, I, well, I don't think it's in a chronologically sort of way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. We get into definitions. Oh, it's philosophical now. Um, <laughs> I do want to draw attention to Chit Chat Across the Pond. Uh, sorry, Chit Chat Across the Pond, number 649, the one right before this. Uh, uh, Helma Vanderlinden, who did create the book, and I was merely her assistant, really. Um, she came on Chit Chat Across the Pond to talk about all of the open source software tools and goes through and describes each of the uh, the tools that she used. So that's a uh, uh, was really, really fun. I thought that was fascinating. Superb episode, and everything is on GitHub. So all of the tools that were used to convert the blog posts into the ASCII doc, ASCII doctor into the book, everything, the whole tool chain is sitting there in GitHub. So it is completely open for everyone to see, and you know, to to adapt to their own projects if, if they want to make a shiny book. And how would they find it if they're just listening and they've got a terrific memory? They're not going to look in the show notes or anything. How would they find the Taming the Terminal GitHub post? What's the best way? Uh, well, I guess if you go to GitHub and search for Taming the Terminal, it should just pop straight up. It'll be, okay. uh, it's in the organization Bartificer and it'll be called Taming the Terminal. Yeah. So if I just type in Taming the Terminal, I'm just going to check uh, without using any type ahead. And yes, it finds it. And you don't have to be able to spell Bartificer, which, by the way, a lot of people have asked me, how do you spell that? It's an artificer with a B in front of it. An yeah. artificer is one who creates. Yeah, and we don't use that word here. So that is, when I said that to people, they'd go, yeah, but what's an artificer? Oh. So it's a uh, less common word here. I don't think we have artisans so much here, maybe. We have artisanal know. cooking. Yeah, we do. Yeah, well, it's hip now. The hipsters have it, right? <laughs> I remember when kale was boring farmer food. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we may be boring the people who came here to learn about T-Mux, but uh, I just want to do a little, uh, you know, I can't have enough high fives on how exciting this is. I'm, I'm just so excited. I think this is, uh, this is really cool. It is immensely cool, and definitely people who are only listening to the Taming the Terminal listen to the Chitter Across the Pond episode, because it is very good listen, very interesting. Very good. So, so let's dig in. In our story, we started off with a very minimalistic problem to be solved. We decided, we didn't decide, Red Hat decided that the screen command, which we had talked about in the series before, was too old to continue living. And they deprecated it, which is computer speak for, we'll promise you it'll be gone in the future, so don't get too attached. Um, it's like planned obsolescence in a good way. And that's the time to cut and run, right? Yes, exactly. In our opinion. I, I yes, that is definitely my opinion. I, I believe you don't swim up the digital stream, don't swim against the current. If the you know if a programming language you're using deprecates a function, or if an operating system you're using deprecates something, that's a sign that you now have a year or two to leave in an orderly fashion, or you can be cranky about it, be angry about it, resist the change, and then find yourself having to up, you know, improvise in a panic. And uh, often when nobody remembers how to do it anymore. I've noticed exactly. that. People are like, oh, I need a converter to go from blah to blah. And it's like, well, yeah, I used to know what that was like four years ago when I did it, but I don't remember anymore. All the search terms right now would be how to do this, right? Not later. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so when something is deprecated, that's the time to move. You're going with everyone else. Everyone's helping out. The whole community is involved. And if you don't, well, you'll be on your own, you know, shouting behind everyone else who's off in the vague distance on the horizon. Uh, do any of you guys remember? <laughs> no. So our first introduction to Tmux was just as a screen replacement. And that, you know, it, it did that perfectly. Um, if anything, slightly nicer, more user-friendly than screen gave us all of our features. And we sort of teased the fact that, well, replacing screen is like, you know, the tip of the iceberg of what Tmux can do. And then in the next installment, so the second of three, we went on to look at Tmux as Tmux instead of Tmux as a screen replacement. And we learned that, you know, when it says it's a terminal multiplexer, which is what Tmux is a contraction of, we learned that Tmux sessions are broken into multiple windows, which you can think of as browser tabs. And each of those windows can be split into multiple panes inside each of which you then get a separate little command prompt. And so you can run multiple commands on screen at the same time within one physical terminal window. And you can use Tmux windows to have actually like virtual tabs within that terminal window with the many, many um, fret panes. So Guess what? I used it. I actually, as, as Don would say, I used it in anger. <laughs> um, I, I used it to solve a problem where I wanted to do something different, but in the same place. So I created a new window and uh, and did what I needed to do. And it just, it helped it keep it a little more clarified to me. I'm not sure I used it like well or anything, but I did it. And and not to just keep plugging the book, but it was very hef helpful to just be able to open the book and go, okay, I want to look at TTT 39. Where did we do? Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the, this is the, uh, the command. So it was very handy that way to look things up quickly. Yeah. And the book has beautiful typography. I'm a huge typography nerd. I like mm. the fact that the book has beautiful typography. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so that got us pretty far along. Um, but today we're going to take it to the next level. Uh, we're going to learn how to automate. So we can build up complex Tmux configurations where we might have 
three panes, one of which has a terminal tab to enter commands in, one of which has top showing us the state of the system, or one of which might be having a, a live tail of a log file or something that we're working on. So to set that up takes a whole bunch of, you know, split window commands and all sorts of things. Yeah. And we can do that and it will stay alive for as long as the server remains booted. But, you know, servers reboot, computers reboot. So then you end up with your team session being re-killed. So it would be really nice to automate that process in some way so that we could just say start tmux just the way i want it as opposed to just start tmux and then make me rebuild everything to become the way i want it so that's where we're going to arrive but we take a little bit of a journey to get there okay so the first part of our journey is tmux has the ability to accept multiple tmux commands within a single Terminal command. Now, this this has the potential to be confusing. Okay. So let's be very explicit about it. So if we take the terminal command, tmux space new space minus s ttt40, that is a terminal command which invokes tmux and passes tmux three terminal arguments, new minus s ttt40. tmux interprets its three arguments as one tmux command, new, with two tmux arguments, minus s, ttt40, which in fact it sees as a single flag with a value. Does that make sense? Yeah, why are you saying there are three shell arguments, but they're really one with two arguments? Uh, because of, as far as bash is concerned, there are three arguments, new, minus s, ttt40. That is what okay. it has handed to you the You mean tmux. zsh now, right? Uh, well, in this series, we're still on Bash, but yes, that is also true. Oh, should I be in Bash, not in ZSH right now? No difference. Okay. Well, until I say so, no difference. <laughs> okay. Cause, oh, because we haven't talked about what ZSH is. By the way, in the book, we did say, we did tell people, by the way, you're going to notice the prompts will have changed and they'll start looking like uh, Bash prompts or ZSH prompts. Yes, indeed. In so we warned them. Later. Okay. Um. Dum, dum, dum. So whether it's bash or ZSH doesn't really matter. The point is the the shell that is executing the commands you type in the terminal it's sees E3. the first thing as a command and everything after it that has a space between it as separate arguments. Okay. Okay. So in bash's brain, one command, tmux, three arguments, new, minus s, ttt, 40. Okay. tmux then gets run and mm -hmm. tmux gets handed those three shell arguments. And then tmux can do whatever it likes with those arguments, and it can interpret them in, what any, in whatever way it wants. And in tmux's brain, it sees new as its command, because tmux says, the first thing I'm given is my command. And then everything after that modifies my command in some way. Okay. So it sees minus s ttt40 as being the flag minus s with the value ttt40. Okay, what was minus s again? So minus s is just the way you tell uh, tmux what name to give a new so session. So the S is for session. Okay. For new session. Okay. So new says give me a new session and minus S says call it TTT40. Okay. So it's that's one terminal command with one tmux command. But tmux is perfectly happy to be handed multiple tmux commands. And the way it does that is you separate them by giving it the argument 
semicolon. Now, in Bash and ZSH's brain, the semicolon symbol has a meaning. It means end of line, the same meaning it has in C, the same meaning it has in JavaScript, same meaning it has in lots of programming languages. In Bash and ZSH, semicolon means finished. But we don't want it to mean finished. We actually want to say, no, 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 the actual semicolon is an argument. So we do that by escaping the semicolon so that Bash says, oh, OK, you actually mean semicolon as opposed to done. And so you can escape it with a backslash. So backslash semicolon will escape the semicolon. Or you could wrap it in quotation marks if you prefer. OK. So the two shell commands, tmux space new space minus s ttt40 dash slash backslash semicolon space split dash window is effectively equivalent to tmux new minus s ttt40 dash quote space quote semicolon quote space split window i'm really lost on why you're giving it two different session names but you're saying those are the same thing those are two I'm different sessions they're, right they're equivalent right because in both cases we are calling tmux with two tmux commands so new and split window but it's one terminal command Okay, but but your your different names for the session we're creating are just named so that you can say when I was making the one that had the slash in the name, I used a slash to to escape the semicolon. Then I made another yeah. one immediately afterwards. I have to give it a different name, so I called it dash quote because I'm gonna I'm gonna use quotes to escape the semicolon. Correct. Okay. So I, I tried it with the same name, and then Tmux went nope. Okay, so that's that. just if you want to do one after another. Got it. It could have been any word. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And I sort of assumed you'd copy and paste both. Okay. So from Bash's or ZSH's point of view, it's one command. But from Tmux's point of view, it's two commands. The new command with some information and the split window command. And it will execute them one after the other. So if you run that, you will find you end up in a Tmux session where you have a split pane straight away. Okay. Session should be nested with care. Unset dollar tmux to force. One command inside the other. Mm, I did. Well, oh, okay. So I had done tmux new dash s ttt forty. Right. So you're running tmux inside tmux, which remember remember from two weeks ago we advised against because now you have. Okay, I don't remember how to get out. Do I need to exit out of this? You could detach with uh, Control B D for detach, or you could just kill the session. Um, if you okay. type tmux space kill minus session, that will get you straight back out. Okay. All right. Well, it helps. See, I'm here to make these mistakes for everybody else, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, actually. I'm doing my job whenever I do something stupid. Okay, good. I now have a tmux session. It's called, oh, it's called ttt-40-sla. So apparently it truncates the little names down below. Uh, depending on the width, I guess, of room available, it may indeed have run out of space for the ash or the sh. It doesn't make matter how big I make the window. It's always stopped okay, at well, SLA. It obviously dedicates so many characters to the name. Okay. But it has a split window. But it has a split window. So it executed both of those commands. So we have effectively saved ourselves a bit of work here. Because instead of opening a Tmux session and then hitting the magic key combo to split the window, we just did it all in one go. So that is clearly a part of our solution. Okay.
Now, a little refresher before we continue on to new stuff. So Tmux accepts many, many, many commands. So the new command is one for making a new session. The split window command does exactly what it says on the tin. But there's loads of them. So you could Google them. You could load up the man page. Or you can ask Tmux to just list them for you. And the command to list commands is list-commands, which has the shorter alias lscm. So if you wanted to see everything you could do with new, you could say tmux lscm pipe grep new, and that will show you all of the tmux commands that have new in them, which is new session, new window, and then rename session has a new name, so it found new, and rename window has a new name, so it found new as well. Okay, I'm getting kind of tangled in the embedding here. So I'm I'm inside of a Tmux session, okay, no, but no, I still have to... Yeah, yeah. just every Tmux session we start today, just leave. Okay, so leaving, and you're saying the best way to leave is the control... Well, you could detach would leave the session running. I, I generally, today when I was preparing the show notes, I got very um, assertive, and I just started saying Tmux uh, kill dash session. That sort of gets you out. Can I just close the window and start another one? Or am I leave sprinkling open Tmux sessions everywhere if I do that? Well, you're sprinkling open Tmux sessions, but you're perfectly fine to do so because I've given each one a separate name. Okay. I, I, I'm i sorry, but I, you know I don't have the best memory. I don't remember the okay. commands from last week, so I don't remember how to do what you're telling me to do. Okay, well... Um, if I want to so quit it. Control B, space, control B followed by D will detach you. So okay. then you're back to being out of Tmux. That's the simplest way out. Okay. If you're curious as to what's going on, tmux space ls will list all of your sessions. tmux space ls. Right. Okay. Ah, uh, they're still there. Uh, yeah, it's nuts. fine though. Oh, yeah, but I I control bead. Hmm. I thought I did. You detached, right? I mean, the the whole like like with screen, the the idea is that you're when you close the shell, you're not killing it; it's running away in the background. So if you're on a dodgy internet, every time you lost your, your okay. SSH connection, okay. So I am intentionally leaving those open. So it is the same as if I did a command W and just close the window. It is kind of yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So so now I back out. Tell me when I need to get back out because I will f keep asking this question otherwise. Uh, every single time. Every single time. All we're going to be doing today is starting sessions, going, oh, look how pretty, and then leaving. Okay, so I'm back out, and I do tmux lscm, which is the same as list-command. And then you said grep new, pipe grep new, in order to see just the ones yeah, so that are new? without a grep to see all the commands scroll by, and then you'll believe me that there's a lot of them. No, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what you're telling us to do. Uh, so I'm saying, okay, so LS, so Tmux LSCM will just show you every possible command, which you can then scroll up and down. They're in alphabetical order, but you're right. probably trying to answer a question, right? You're probably okay, going, I how do, do I new... make a new something or how do I do something to a pain? So realistically, you're going to be grepping it for something you're trying to achieve is what I'm saying. Okay. So as an example, I just grep for new. Okay. I just grep for detach. Yeah. Uh -huh. So. Okay. Yeah, so basically what this will show you is the command, its full name, and then in parentheses, its alias if it has one. So new-session uh, has the alias new, which is okay. what we've been using. Uh -huh. And then it will show you all of the arguments it accepts. 
Um, so in fact, we could, when we start a new session, we could also start a new window with minus n. We could give it a session name with minus s. We saw that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can uh, set the can, width and height. You can set the width and height, and you can even run a command, which we'll come back to in a moment. Mm. So you could do quite a lot. And so you can see for each command, like, all the things you can do. Mm -hmm. And that is useful. As a, a lot of that is self-explanatory, but it's not actually completely self-explanatory because I don't know what minus capital A does. So you are also going to, from time to time, need to go into the good old-fashioned man page. So man tmux is definitely still your friend. Now, something I learned, because I'm only just new to tmux myself, so I didn't know this until I was doing this week's show notes. So if you run tmux from inside tmux, it will default to applying the command you just gave the tmux to the session it's inside or the window it's inside or the pane it's inside, depending on what the command does. So if you want, so instead of trying to remember control B, D for detach, you could actually just say tmux space detach and it will go, oh, okay, I'm already in a tmux session. So you want to detach my current session. Okay, fine. And it'll leave. Okay. That seems obvious. Well, I feel like it was supposed to be amazing, but it's like if I'm inside Tmux and I tell it Tmux space detach, it detaches. Right, but you're inside Tmux and you're running a whole fresh Tmux command and Tmux is smart enough to connect those two together. Oh, I okay. It's it's lifting yourself by your own bootstraps a little bit there. It is. Okay. And it's smart enough to do so, which I think is amazing. That's not okay. easy to do and that's not how most terminal commands behave. If you start another bash session inside a bash session, it doesn't go, oh, I think you want this one on the outside. It just goes, okay, fine. We'll have another one inside and another one and another one. So it's actually really cool. So kill dash session is great. So if you have like a really complicated setup and you're like, ah, this is a mess. Get me out of here. You just go tmux space kill dash session and they'll all just go away and you just crash back onto the command prompt. Or Wait, tmux space kill space dash session? No, no, kill kill minus session. So kill dash session is the command. So it's one. Oh, 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 no space, space between kill and session dash session. Correct. So gotcha. kill, kill dash session is the command. So it's oh, look at that. They're they're all gone. It kills them all. No, 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 no. Because no? if you do a tmux space ls, you'll see you'll see the other ones are still there. Oh, never mind. I see what it's doing. It just brought me back to where I'd been typing, where I had all the names of everything I just typed. I thought it was going, killed it, killed it, killed it, killed it. Gotcha. Okay. No, no it crashed you straight back out to your, to yeah. your, uh, to your ZSH cell in your case. Okay. Um, there is a, a similar one, kill-server. That will kill them all. Is that a bad thing? No. You just start a new one. A, a Tmux space new will get you back to a fresh one. But, you know, if you end up during this example with, you know, 20 running sessions... Tmux kill dash server will certainly take care of that for you. Hmm. So I bet I could do I could do a uh, I could search for that command lsem grep kill. Kill. Yeah, you see all the things you can kill. What are all the things I can kill? <laughs> all right. Uh, the other thing that's useful actually, if you're inside a Tmux session, you can actually type tmux space split dash window to split the window instead of trying to remember the control B followed by I can't remember what the special key combo is. Oh, okay, good. So I basically stopped learning the key combos. I'm just now using tmux and then say what I want to do. Split dash window. Oh, look at that. 
Yeah, I might even remember that. Yeah, I got stuck point. on Control B, so okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole week, two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason when you Google for Tmux, where a lot of the answers are printable cheat sheet. <laughs> okay, good. Something to stick like on your old, monitor, right? Yeah, a bit like the old VI days. Oh. I still have VI cheat sheets. So do there. I. So do I. I actually do. That's so funny. I have, yeah, my desk doesn't have very much on it in work, but it has the cheat sheet printed out for VI and it has a Dilbert comic about the project uncertainty principle. That you can either know how long something it will take or how much it will cost, but you could never know both. <laughs> it's very true. Anyway, um, moving on. So now that we know that we can run multiple commands together, well, we can really start to build up complicated tmux sessions from command line. So the first thing is, ooh, what if I lost myself? Okay, so the first thing you're gonna to want to do when you're building up a complex layout is you're gonna to want to run different commands in each of the different panes you've just made. And you will notice when we did our uh, tmux lscm pipe grep new, that new session accepts as a final optional argument command. New window accepts as a final optional argument command. So that means, and split window does too. Um, if you if you do a tmux ls pipe grep split, you'll see that split window also accepts a command. So we can just tell it what to run as we're making our little panes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're just you're you're saying a lot of commands and then I stop and I start trying to think of what they are and then it's hard to keep listening. So I'm getting lost really quickly here. Um, I know. Very <laughs> confusing words. Yeah. OK, so say that last bit one more time. OK, so imagine we're making three tree splits, right? So we're making three panes in our session. OK. We might want to run top in one of the panes and tail minus F varlog messages in another pane. So we want to run commands inside each of our panes. Right. Well, we can do that as part of the big tmux command to create it all. Okay. Because the last argument that new dash session accepts is command. And the last argument that split dash window accepts is command. So okay. you can add a command to the end of the tmux commands inside the single shell command. And this is why I was so afraid of this. This is There are three commands here. Okay. Well, but I'm going to think about them like, like Lego. As you put them together, there's new little connectors on the ends of them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we may want to run some examples here to not confuse us too much. But before we do, the command at the end of, say, new dash session is a single argument. But a, term <clears throat> a terminal command often has spaces in it. So that means we're going to have to remember to escape or quote our commands. So we can either backslash space every time we come to a space, which you're never going to remember, or we can just quote it, which is definitely my advice. Does it matter if single or double quotes? Yes, a single quote will treat special characters as themselves. A double quote will try to understand them. So if you use a dollar sign, it will go looking for a variable named whatever follows the dollar. 
Oh, I'm never going to remember that, Bart. Um, Just use single quotes. Just use single quotes. Okay, there you go. (laughs) Don't worry your pretty little head about it. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Well, unless you'd like to play with shell variables, but that let's not that let's not go there today. I have done that. Okay. Yeah, they're fun and they're cool, and I use them all the time. But for today, let's not. Right. So let us start slowly building up more complicated session here. So we're going to keep them simple the first time, and we're just going to run the top command in one of our panes and then split the window. So tmux space new space minus s ttt 40 dash top one. So we're saying invoke tmux. The first tmux command is new. Name the session ttt 40 dash top one. And then we're giving the new command another argument, top. So that's the command to run. Then we have backslash semicolon saying, I'm giving you Mr. Tmux or Mrs. Tmux, you Tmux, a second command split window. So make me a new session, run top, and then split the window. So if you copy and paste that and pop it into your yeah. old-fashioned terminal. There you go. I've got top running in the in the upper <laughs> pane. In the top. Not, in the <laughs> top pane. And then uh, it's just sitting there waiting for me in the bottom pane in a window called ttt40-top. Yeah. So if you want to not leave this lying around, you're going to say tmux kill minus session, and then you'll drop back down to bash or zsh or whatever you're using. So that worked pretty well. We didn't have to do any funny escaping or anything on top because it's there's no space in the top command. It's just top. So let's go with a little bit more fancy. What if we want a command top and the system log? And this is where I got mildly cranky at the fact that Apple have decided to be non-standard because every other Unix system, the main system log is called var log messages. On the Mac, the main system log is called var log system dot log. Arguably more sensible but different. So if you're a Linux person, you can copy and paste the Linux command. And if you're a Mac person, you can copy and paste the Mac command for the next couple of examples. So in this case, in the second split window, we want to run the command tail space minus F space var log messages or tail space minus F space var log system dot log. So the single command we want to run contains spaces. So now we either have to backslash space, backslash space, which we're never going to remember to do, or we single quote the tail minus F var log messages. Okay. All right. So I'm going to build it up again for everybody because that was a whole lot of words all at once in, in commands. So we've got tmux new. We're telling it the session name with dash S. We give it a name and then we're going to run top. But then mm-hmm. we want to do, we want to add another command after uh, top. We want to tell it to split window. So we did a backslash semicolon, which by the way, could have been a quote semicolon. Bing, bing, bing. And so we say split dash window. Um, and then in the, then how does it, you immediately go to the command you're going to put in split dash window. Cause, oh, cause split dash window can take a command. Correct. Okay. And that's where he put in tail dash F blah, 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 the, 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 wherever the location log file is. Now, for some reason, you've got a trailing backslash at the end, backslash semicolon at the end. Do you have to have that? Followed by a split window. Do you need to widen your window? Oh, the, oh wow. Yeah. I hope nobody's looking at that on the phone. That was really why. Okay. Yeah, don't worry. We'll soon fix that. Okay. <laughs> not quite there yet. Okay. So, okay. Then you do, a, okay. Then you did a split window. You did a split window. And that's the tail dash f of the of the log. Then you did a new line. Then you did another split window. 
Right, because we want and, three panes, one running top, one running tail, and one for us to type commands in. Okay, and then the the last one you haven't... Uh, sorry about the mic hit there. The last one you have not explained yet, right? The last one I've not explained yet. After um, split dash window a second time. So you do... It's uh, getting so confusing. So you do a split dash window, and you tell it, uh-huh. do tail dash F in that. Then you yeah. do a split dash window, but you end it. Then you have some commands after that. Select dash layout, even dash vertical. Uh, you, you've run ahead. I'm in the wrong spot. You've run ahead because that's ah. cool stuff, but we're not there yet. Okay, that's where I'm getting really confused. I'm having trouble keeping out the right window. Okay, sorry. Strike that. Forget that. Never mind. But not okay, so what Bart said was Tmux new, gave it a session name, uh, said run top in it. Then he puts a new line thing in there. And then he says split dash, split dash window and he does the tail. And then he splits it to third time. So the third one's only the the second one's good. The last one's going to have nothing running it at this point. Correct. Which is a place for us to enter some commands. So again, if you copy and okay. paste it into your terminal or the Mac version, if you're running on a Mac, you'll find that you have top running in the top split. And then you have your tail minus F. And then you have your um, one at the bottom for you to play with. Okay, I must have done something. Uh, kill that session. Try that again. There we go. All right. I will try to catch up. It is, yeah, it is hard to listen and read these at the same time. Okay, now I have three. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Because I didn't see the full width of the window, I didn't see that stuff was scrolling to the right, I got something different than what you were saying, so I thought you had moved on to the, the next one. That's why I got confused. Yeah. So the main takeaway here is that we had to quote the tail minus F, because otherwise that wouldn't have been one single argument at the end right. of the split window. Right, okay. So at this point in time, we have our three panes, but they're not perfectly adjusted, because every time you half them, so you have a oh, quarter, yeah. a quarter, a half. That's not really what I want. What I kind of want is um, a third, a third, a third. So, so right could... now top is taking up the first half and then the bottom half is split into two halves. Exactly, because okay. you split, you, sp- you have a window, you split it and then you end up in the bottom half and then you split it again and you end up in the bottom half of the split inside the split. So you end up in a quarter and yeah. that's actually good to know that when you do a split, you're in the second half of whatever split you just did. Yes. So, so you, you end up, yeah, you end up after the split, mm-hmm. which is why you can run another command, which is probably why they did it that way. Right. Right. Um, so it would be nice if we could sort of lay it out in a more structured way. And one of the nice things I haven't told you about yet is that Tmux actually ships with a bunch of predefined standard layouts that you can just invoke. Yeah. And the ones I think are most user, use, useful are even-horizontal, even-vertical, and tiled. Hmm. And the command we use to select a layout is select-layout. So if we now repeat our previous command but at the very end after our last split window we put another backslash semicolon to say i'm about to give you another tmux command and then we say select dash layout space even dash vertical oh another now, nice little thirds 
They're nice little thirds. Hmm. And that's much more useful. Yeah. I did notice, and maybe I'm getting off course, and I definitely am, is I did notice you could define specific size, like I said, dash X width and dash Y height. Is that like yes. in pixels, or what is that in? I would imagine characters, because everything uh, is measured in characters in the terminal. Okay. Or percentages, possibly. Hmm. Probably percentages actually makes the most sense, because people resize their terminal windows. Yeah, yeah, that would make more sense. Um, An exercise for the student. Indeed, because to be honest, I really couldn't be bothered doing the math, so I just <laughs> use standard layouts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the next thing we want to be able to do is to move around our focus. So at the moment, we're ending up with, I'm sort of not doing anything in the last window because that way I can immediately start typing a command. But what I actually really want is my cursor to be in the very top split with nothing running and below me to have top and at the very bottom to have the tail minus F. Oh, that's impossible. We can't do that. Well, it's not impossible because one of the many commands is select dash pane. So if we rejigger our command a little bit, we can get it to the point where we select pane zero when we're finished. Mm. So for the final, for the next example, what we're going to do is going to say tmux new, give it a session name, semicolon, backslash semicolon, split window top. Mm -hmm. So notice we haven't put a command after the new, right? We said tmux new minus s and given it a name, but we've not put a command. Oh. We've gone straight in. So that means our top one is now blank. Then we said split window top. So our second one now has top running in it. We split the window again and we run tail. So now the bottom one has tail. And then we say backslash semicolon, select layout, even dash vertical. So now they're nicely laid out. And then we go backslash semicolon, select dash pane minus T zero. Mm -hmm. So target zero. Wow. And that jumps the cursor back to pane zero. So the complexity of what you just had to read out loud does suggest that maybe we should put that in a script, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It's strange enough that is indeed where we are heading very I mean, shortly. I would just start with the text expander snippet, if nothing else, but... You read my mind. Oh. <laughs> that is one of the things I say down below, but oh. anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Or I read your mind, probably. Is more. One way or the other. So you can see, though, that we have a very logical mechanism for building up these layouts, right? Step, step, step. It's nice and mechanical. We're basically simulating us issuing all those keystrokes. Yeah. But we're doing it in one go. Before we look at automating this, I want to have a little word with you about targeting things. So Tmux uses the minus T flag all over the place whenever you want to target your command at a specific session, window, or pane. So it uses the same flag in lots and lots of commands, whether it's a command to control a window, a command to control a session, or a command to control a pane, it uses minus T, which you should mentally read as target. So and in our and case, your select dash pane tells you, what am I targeting? I'm targeting a pane. Bingo. Okay. And if you do the Tmux LSCM and grep for select dash pane, you'll see that it actually says target pane to tell you that I'm going to target a pane. 
Makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And a, a, a command like uh, select window will target a window. Again, makes sense. But I want to give you a little bit of advice for how to use targets. Um, the actual full list of things you can do with the minus T flag is a lot bigger than you might think. And there's lots of really useful little shortcuts like jump to the last window and jump to the most recently used pane and all these kind of things. And there's special characters for all of that. And I could confuse the hell out of you by doing that now. Instead, I'm going to say that man pages have the full algorithm and it actually says in order of what it tries. So it tries this. And if that doesn't work, it tries the next thing. And if that doesn't work, it tries the next thing. And it does its absolute darndest to figure out what you meant. And if all else fails, it defaults to the most recent one. Which is why most of the time when we say split window, we don't say what window to split. We just say split window. And it goes, yeah, OK, I guess you mean the current one. But split window also accepts the minus T flag. So we could actually, at the very, very end of our command, split the zeroth pane if we wanted to. But you probably don't. So big picture wise, you target a window with its name. So sorry, let me back up. You target a session with its name. So if you don't name your sessions, you might remember from the first time that they get they get named zero, one, two, three, four, etc. Very imaginative. Um, but you can choose to name them like we've been doing with the minus S flag. Yes. Yes. So if your target is to a session, you just use its name. If your target is to a window, then the full path to that window is session colon window, where the window is either the number or the name. So if you name your windows, then it's a name. And if you don't, then they're numbers. And you can see that in the status bar. It's session colon window. And if you want to get really specific and target a specific pane, it's session colon window dot pane. Okay. Okay. And panes are always numbered. So that's why you'll see at the bottom in your status, it could be something like TTT dash, whatever we call the current session, colon zero, because we don't name our windows, dot zero or dot one or whatever. Um, hmm. Mine says TTT 40 dash top zero, not colon zero. The zero is after the colon. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, it is late. <clears throat> sorry. It doesn't use exactly the same syntax. Apologies. OK. But the syntax for the minus T is if you want to specify the full path, it's session colon window dot pane. But everything defaults to the current one. So if you want the current session with the current window and pane one, then you can leave out the session, leave out the window and just say one. Or in our case, we wanted zero. So that's why we got away with just zero, because it defaults the other two. I'm wait, wait, saying wait, a lot what? of words for something very simple. Yeah, and it's getting harder. Um, we had select dash pane dash t zero. To me, that said okay. select pane target zero. Correct. But actually, under the hood, it was going, what session should I use? I guess he didn't say a session, so I guess he meant the current one. Ooh, what window should I use? He didn't say a window, so I'll use the current one. What pane should I have? Oh, thank goodness he said something. I'll go to zero. Okay. Okay. That's actually what's happening under the hood, is it's trying to find... To get to a pane, it has to have a session, a window, and a pane because your pane exists inside a window inside a session. So if you don't tell it by using session colon window dot pane, it starts to guess. And its guesses are usually correct, which is the current one. 
very good guess. But that's really what's happening under the hood, is all I'm saying. Gotcha. Okay. Now, this is one of those cases where I get to do a little bonus tip, because this isn't specific to Tmux. This is just a thing that exists on the terminal I haven't got to tell you about yet. Mm -hmm. You can take any terminal command and split it across multiple lines. And the way you do that is by escaping the new line character. Backslash enter. Oh, that's kind of fun. So in effect, if a terminal command has a line that ends in a backslash, the command continues on the next line. And if you're copying and pasting stuff off the web or off um, Stack Overflow, you'll very often see like long image magic commands spread over multiple lines with backslashes on the end of each line. Or long FFmpeg commands. I see this on all the time because FFmpeg can take 20 kabillion arguments. <laughs> yeah, it can. So T-mux. you just so you can put a backslash at the end of the command and then just keep writing out of the le- next line and it's simply for readability? Correct. Ah, but you can still copy and paste it. You can still copy and paste it. Mm. You're escaping the new line character. <laughs> it's genius. Mm-hmm. So this is really useful for building up our big long tmux commands because it's much easier to say tmux space new space minus s, give it a name, backslash semicolon, backslash enter, split dash window top, backslash semicolon, backslash enter, select dash pane minus t0. That's clearly three things. Give me a new session, split it, Select the first one. So that was, again, for people listening, that's a lot of words, but when you look at it on screen, it, it, when you look in the book, it's, it's very easy to read. Yeah. And so that's a, a somewhat simpler one of what we've been doing. We're just making two panes. We're putting top in the second one, and then we're saying, jump me back up to the first one and put the cursor there. Right. So now we're ready to start saving these commands for future use. Because these are getting quite long. Yeah. Now, a little reminder from last time that if you want to have, let's say the problem to be solved is that you would like to have a permanent session called top term that gives you a terminal to type in and shows top running underneath. That's your thing you want forevermore. So you can create it with a, a tmux new minus s top term whatever. And then you can reattach to it later with tmux a minus t top term. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's, what's top term? So top term is the name we're giving our session. Oh, okay. I thought I missed a whole new type of terminal. <laughs> no, no, no. We're just naming it top term because it's a terminal with top running. Okay, so what's, yeah, what's, our, what's our objective again on this one? Sorry. So we would like to have at our disposal, jump me straight into a tmux session that consists of two panes. The uppermost of those two panes is a command prompt for me to type my commands in, and the lowermost is top. Okay. So I can see if I'm stressing my poor computer. Okay. And I'm calling that concept a top term, because it's the terminal with top in it. Okay. Um, so I can create one of those with the tmux space new space minus s top term backslash semicolon backslash new line, split dash window, space top, space backslash semicolon, backslash enter, select dash pane, space minus T space zero. Nothing too exciting there. But I run that once, and then I get my fresh session. 
and then I detach or my SSH connection breaks or whatever, and I come back and I go to run it again and I'll get an error because top trim already exists. Right. So we learned last time that we can use the or operator to try to connect to an existing session by that name or create a new one. Right. So that's tmux a minus t top term or tmux new minus s top term yada yada yada. Ah, okay. I gotcha. So we're just, we, we learned that trick at the end of the last installment, but I thought it was worth revising. So the or operator, because the, the, the bash and ZSH do what's called lazy evaluation, if the, if the left-hand side of an or statement evaluates to true or succeeds, it never bothers with what's on the right because anything or, sorry, true or anything is always true. So there's no point in trying to work it out. Okay. Okay. Right. I'm glad you did so that again because I did reminder. forget. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to learn two ways that we can save things. So the first is the simplest. If you want to automate some terminal commands, a shell script is an exceptionally sensible tool for doing that. A shell script is simply a text file that meets three simple rules. The very first line, sorry, the file must be plain text. That's the first rule. It has to be a text file, not a binary file, not a Word document, a plain text <laughs> file. Okay. The very first line of this plain text file must be a so-called shebang line. More on that in a moment. And the file should be marked as executable. So chmod, and then we make sure we give it a permission mask that allows it to be executed so that we can run our script. Mm -hmm. So in Linux, Unix, or Mac, the operating system, when, it, when you try to execute a plain text file, the operating system has to figure out what do I use to run this? And the mechanism for that is the shebang line. And by convention slash law, it has to be the very first line. And it takes the form octothorpe or pound symbol or hash or whatever we're calling it this week, exclamation point, followed by the path to the shell of our choice. So for the moment, we're going to use bash. But in future installments, we'll be using ZSH. Okay, so if our Mac is already running ZSH because that already happened in Catalina, is what you're gonna, if I type that in, is that going to work for me? It is because while ZSH is now your default shell, it is not the only shell installed on the Mac. Right. So Bash is still there, but it's just not your default. And by the way, we put instructions in the book telling people how to make Bash be your default if you want to. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes, indeed. System preferences, user account advanced. Oh, no, 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 no. We just put in a command line command part. Oh, okay. And we, it is possible to do it that way, too. That's a tricky way, though. I just learned that this week, That what you just said. That's... You do it once, and then you forget all about it. And it used to be that the weirdos who wanted ZSH, even though Bash was the default, had to do the weird messing around in the, in the system preferences. Now, now it's the old-fashioned people who don't want to move with the times. <laughs> anyway, for this installment, we're staying with Bash. Um, so for us, the shebang line is octothorpe exclamation point slash bin slash Bash. So let's create a shell script. Uh, first thing to do is we're going to make a folder named scripts in our home folder, and we're going to create it in such a way that it won't give us an error if the folder already exists, because I tend to have a scripts folder. So we can do that with mkdir minus p for path tilde slash scripts. And if that folder exists, that command will do nothing. If this folder doesn't exist, that command will make it exist. And then we want to change into our scripts folder. So cd tilde slash scripts. Okay. 
So make dir was the first thing. Got it. Okay. So make a directory called scripts in your home directory, then go to the folder called scripts in your home directory. So using your favorite text editor, whether that be Vim or TextEdit or VS Code, doesn't matter, make a file in there named top term without an extension. Hmm. No file, just top term. Okay. And the uh, content of that file okay. should be our shebang line followed by our tmux command. So tmux a minus t top term or tmux new minus s blah, blah, blah. And for readability, I have not only spread it across multiple lines, I have added some indentation. Ah, you're allowed to do that, huh? You're allowed to do that, yes. So as well as using our backslash to spread our command over multiple lines, we can throw as many spaces as we like in, and Bash will promptly collapse them into a single space. Hmm. So we now can clearly see it's one command or the other command. So I think that's easier to read. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so when we've saved our file, we need to make it executable. I like to do that the old-fashioned way, chmod space 755 top term. You could use chmod plus x top term as well. And seven, uh, 755 means again? I get full control, so I get read-write-execute, mm -hmm. and people in my group get read-execute, and people not in my group but still on the computer get read-execute. Okay. So we can now run the script from the current folder by saying dot slash top term. Or we could run it from anywhere on our computer by saying tilde slash scripts slash top term. And that's a bit cumbersome. So as we learned in wait a, a minute, wait a minute, you don't have to put a dot anywhere. The dot, I always thought the dot, the dot slash meant to, to run it. No, dot means current folder. Ah, look at me being an idiot. Okay. No, it's a very common misconception, but dot just means the current folder. So tilde is perfectly fine to do. So tilde slash script slash top term is a perfectly valid path to an executable file. Mm -hmm. So the terminal will know what to do. Now, we learned some time ago in a previous installment whose number of my notes tell me I was supposed to look up before we recorded this um, about a very special environment variable called path in yes. all uppercase. And the path tells the terminal where to go look for commands. So if we add tilde slash script to our path, then we can simply say top term and it'll just work. Hmm. So if you're living in bash land, the file you want to edit is tilde slash dot bash underscore profile. And you want to add to the end of that file export path becomes equal to dollar path colon tilde slash scripts. And that will append tilde slash scripts to the end of your existing path. If you leave out the dollar path colon, you replace your entire path, which contains all that useful stuff like the CD command and all those kind of useful things, with your scripts folder, which contains far less stuff. So I know you don't want to talk about ZSH, but I can't uh -huh. use that command. And anybody you who's using can't. Catalina can't unless they've gone through and know how to change it, like what we didn't really very clearly tell them. So in ZSH, you have a ZSH profile file which is exactly the same syntax. So the export path, et cetera, will work fine. So it's, it's, just, it's .zsh underscore uh, profile? I think there's an underscore. <laughs> mm. 
that's definitely something coming up in the future. One of, one of the next things we want to do is transition ourselves. Let me just quickly check. Okay, I'm just worried because people want to will want to play right now. Um, Tilda, sorry, Tilda slash dot profile. Oh no, that's sorry, someone. So where did you place dollar path in ZSH? <laughs> ah, okay. So actually, the best place to put it uh, is ZSH or C. Tilda slash dot ZSH or C. Tilda slash dot ZSH or C. That's yes. the file. That is the file. Okay. So for bash people, it's tilde slash dot bash underscore profile. And for ZSH people, it's tilde slash dot ZSH or C. Okay. And that's where we want to write. Uh, Export path becomes equal to dollar path colon tilde slash scripts. Okay. I am doing this live for you people. So I find out if things work. Ooh. <laughs> That will only take effect when you either source that file. So you can say source space tilde slash dot ZSH or C or kill the terminal and open a fresh one. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna try that source command and see if he's right telling us the truth here. Live. This is very exciting. Okay, nothing happened, so it might be working. So nothing now I should be able to type right? top term. Indeed you should. It, it should worked. even autocomplete. It works. So top T should be enough to autocomplete it as well. So there we go. You now have any script you put in your scripts folder is now available as a command to you. That's useful. And in this case, we have our top term script. If you don't want to go that route, the other route is a command alias. And both bash and ZSH support aliases. And they have the same syntax. And we talked about them before, too. And I was also supposed to look up what installment that was. <laughs> well, to be fair, we taught uh, you taught us uh, chmod and the, what 755 meant in a previous episode. And I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff here, right? That is true. So the way the alias command works is you say alias space name of alias becomes equal to the thing it should alias inside quotation marks. So as a simple example, if we want to alias ls space minus l as simply lsl, we would say alias space lsl equals quote ls space minus l quote. And where do you put this alias thing? Uh, well, for now, let's just pop it in the terminal. Okay. And then from that point on, until you close that terminal window, you can just type lsl and it will effectively expand to ls minus l. Oh, that's kind of nice. Now, that will exist as long as that terminal exists. But uh, if you'd like that to exist after your terminal finishes existing, then you should put that alias command in the end of your tilde slash dot bash or C or tilde slash dot ZSH or C. Oh, OK. So now we can achieve the same effect as our shell script by aliasing top term to our giant big command. and a little extra bonus, you can use the backslash new line character trick inside quotation marks on the shell. Oh. So you can have multi-line strings. Oh, so so doing this alias is just, if you've got something that's fairly simple, you don't need to build a whole little file for it. Exactly. And give it the permissions. Oh, do you, and you don't have to give it the permissions to execute either. Exactly, because it isn't. Okay. It doesn't exist on the file system. It's just an alias. So we basically gotcha. said, whenever I type top term, I really mean all of this. It's kind of a text expander. You know, I really like that alias LSL is ls space dash L, but 
but I know that if I do that, if I put it in here, when uh, the next time I do a nuke and pave, I'm going to be sitting there completely baffled how I did that. <laughs> what Linux, or sorry, my my computer has lost a standard command. It's like, Allison, that wasn't a standard command. <laughs> I'll have to add it to my ever-growing iThoughts uh, uh, mind map that tells me all the weird little tweaks I've done. Well, that's interesting, Allison, because you just created a problem I want to solve for you after we've done ZSH. Oh, really? There is a terminal command for managing all of your dot files. Ah. And it uses Git to synchronize them across all of your computers. See, now I'm going to need to know that before Big Sur because my Mac's getting real squirrely. Okay. It's starting I'll to... give you a sneak peek. You have to do your own homework, but it's called <laughs> Shay Moi. Shay Moi? Shay's Moi, as in my house. C H E Z M O I. Shay, yes. Which means my house in French. I was going to say French, yeah. Yeah. I hope it is. <laughs> okay. um, and it use, it basically versions all of your dot files, your .zsh and stuff, in Git. And then when you get a new computer, you just basically say, Shay's my checkout. And it just pulls them all out of Git and sets your computer up just as if it was your other computer. <sighs> and if you have, say, a work laptop and a work desktop, you can use Shay Ma to keep all of your favorite aliases and stuff in sync. And all of your SSH keys and all that kind of stuff in sync across Ooh. all of your computers. Ooh, I'm liking this because I've got I've got a lot of stuff in my mind map now. It's like, OK, don't forget that you installed, the, you know, this squirrely little little library to solve this one teeny little problem. But you're going to forget that it's there. Yeah, well, shame all. Well, it won't it won't automate everything for you, but it will help you manage your dot files and it will help you manage your ZSH keys and all those kind of things. So that's okay. definitely worth doing. I do it. I, I I have completely fallen in love with the tool. You can get really clever with it. You can have like if statements that says, you know, if it's my work Mac, then don't check out my personal SSH key. Check out this SSH key instead. Jeez. Wow. Oh, it gets really cool. Okay. You can have variables and all sorts of things. So you can have one ShameWire um, repository that contains basically any different configuration for all your different computers. All right. So yeah, it works out great for me because on my laptop, I have to use uh, SSH tunnels for things I don't on my desktop. It's, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's it's very powerful. So after all that, that's actually all I wanted to tell you about today. But the thing is, at this stage, so we started off using Tmux as a replacement for Screen. And then we say, oh, yeah, but it can do loads more stuff. And so we learned loads more stuff. And today we learned how to automate all that stuff. And now I'm going to tell you that even now, after three sessions, we have barely scratched the surface of what Tmux can do. Hmm. And we're going to leave it here because we've sort of covered the most generally useful to everyone stuff. But everyone has their unique foibles or their unique problems to be solved. And I promise you there's a tmux command to solve your problem or a sequence of them you can string together into a solution. So what I'm hoping is that you're now at a stage where you know enough to use tmux, lscm, and or man tmux to assemble what you need to solve your problem. Yeah, I feel pretty confident that I could search for stuff using the LSCM. I am still at the stage where when I look at a man file, I go, ah, and I run away. I open them up all the time thinking I'm going to be, this time I'll be able to interpret what it means. 
But I was able to look in these uh, in LSEM and the show commands for Tmux, and it was just the single, the command, and then here's the stuff you can do with it, not a bunch of other folder all. Yeah, and most of the time that's sufficient. Yeah. Um, one or two of the Tmux commands are a bit complicated, and you actually need a few paragraphs. And for those, I would say open the man page, use the backslash command to start a search, and say backslash, and then type the name of the command, then hit enter, and it will jump you to the few paragraphs. Okay. So you say. <laughs> well, there's an entire well, TTT installment all about oh, the Mac command. I know, Bart, and I paid attention. And even then, I mean, I'm not saying that what you said is untrue, but I get to that paragraph and I read it and I don't know how to do what it tells me to do. I have never successfully read a, a man page to date. And I try every time. So it, well, it just doesn't sing to me yet. It, it will one day, uh, sort of mm -hmm. like, um, you know, like the docs in Programming by Stealth were initially like, yeah, I can see it's English. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> and eventually that clicked into place. Right? You, you, you're now perfectly happy to go to the docs on Bootstrap and learn about cool new things I never told you about. And That's the, true. The day, the day will arrive when the man pages, but man pages are like lawyer English. Yeah, it is English. Yeah, yeah, technically, <laughs> very technical. Wait, and you know that I believe you because I keep opening them. I keep trying. Right. I, I will get there. I have no doubt. So and uh, another thing is, all of the man pages are on the internet. So if you find it easier to read in Safari, like I do, mm. you can just get the man pages on the internet. Oh, maybe it's there's formatting. Also a really huh? cool, there's a really cool Safari plugin called Buana. No idea why it's called Buana. But it lets you type uh, man colon and then whatever man page you want into the address bar in Safari and it will go fetch the man page as a web page. No way. That's cool. It's dead cool. I love Buana. How do you um, spell Buana? B-W-A-N-A. B-W-A-N-A. It's an African word that means something relevant. Huh. I don't remember what. Stick figure guy is the icon. <laughs> okay. Well, we're getting all kinds of bonus tips here. But, we are. but we're going to leave the audience for a little while, right? We are. So we're going back on hiatus, but I'm going to whet your appetite before we set off. So the next thing we're going to do, the next thing you're going to hear from us in this feed is shortly after Apple launched Mac OS 11, um, Big Sur. Because at that point, I think there's going to be a massive, critical mass of people jumping from Bash to ZSH. I know Catalina jumped people over, but... Catalina was such a dumpster fire of an operating system release that an awful lot of people haven't moved because on this Mac on which I am speaking to you right now, uh, there ain't no Catalinas in sight. This Mac is still one back, whatever, whatever part of California that was. What was it? What, were, what are you, Mac? Oh, you're Mojave. Or Mojave, Mojave. Oh, <laughs> you don't need years, to know anymore. Big Sur. Most people can pronounce that correctly. <laughs> That's true, actually. Un unlike... Um, was El, Cap El Capitan just brought a lot of pompous people out. And the one before that was, uh, I, I loved hearing Irish people who had obviously never been to California talk about Yosemite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they seem so obvious to me because they're just words here. You know, I look at Catalina Island every single uh, time I go to the beach, so. And to me, uh, Yosemite made perfect sense because I'm a huge fan of Ansel Adams. And mm. his, his black and white photographs of Yosemite are amazing. Right. And indeed, El Capitan, uh, which is in Yosemite. Um, 
So to me, that made perfect sense. And I actually ended up spending five minutes staring at someone blankly while they're on about their Yosemite not working. I was like, oh, God, I should know what this is. What are they talking about? Anyway. So uh, as far as the audience is concerned, if they're um, you know looking for more content, they can obviously go over and start uh, following programming by stealth, right? Indeed they can, because if you're enjoying this content, then programming by stealth is probably right up your street. And as of the time that we're recording this, we are just about to finish uh, JavaScript and take a turn and start doing something new. Is Are we doing, uh, I think we're doing the Git stuff next? We're doing the Git stuff next as a little intermission because it's important to fill out our toolkit. So not just, so and let's take a really big picture, right? So the idea of programming by stealth was to sneak programming up on Allison and not frighten her. <laughs> so we started off with HTML, which isn't programming, but it's, it's structured input to a computer, which will do something at your behest in a controlled way. That's programish, right? Mm -hmm. And it gets you into the habit of syntax being important and computers having no imagination whatsoever. And you have, if you tell it to do X, it will blindly do X. And so HTML is a good starting point into that mode of thinking. And then we took it up a level with some CSS where we're basically saying, the HTML says what should be on this page, and the CSS says how it should look. And then we introduce JavaScript to bring it all to life and to go from web pages to web apps. And at this point in the series, as we record this episode of Taming the Terminal, we're at nearing the very end of our exploration of JavaScript. And we're now writing fairly advanced web apps as part of our challenges in the Programming by Stealth series. And that means that we have quite a bit of code and there's different versions of it. And we actually need to start managing our code. And to manage your code, you need a versioning system. And in this day and age, and in open source headspace, there's only one contender, that is Git. And so we're going to take a pause from learning new programming languages to learn Git. And then when we're done with our pause, we're going to pivot 180 degrees from, from browser technologies like JavaScript, HTML, and CSS to the server side and the most popular server side language, PHP. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the, the Git work as well, because um, I've been using um, GitHub and using a couple of different uh, GUI clients, and but basically just kind of lumbering around, slamming into walls, going, I wonder what this does. And I, almost always it's okay. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing with a version control system is that you, most things are non-destructive because the whole point of it is to capture all the versions. Yeah, it's the destructive so, part where I push a button and it goes, you don't really want to do that. Just back well, the away, nice Allison. Thing is, see, the nice thing about using a GUI is that generally the GUIs are pretty good about saying, yeah, that's one of those things I can't undo. Right, except it's something I need to do. And I don't know how to do it, so I get stuck, and I still have this thing I need to do. So I end up pulling myself out of Git and doing all kinds of silly things to get around the fact that I'm afraid to push the button. Yeah. So the, that's the why most, I need the knowledge. Yeah, and the, the one that always keeps scaring me, because there's no way around it, if you have two commits that clash with each other, the computer can't decide what you want. It has to say to you, resolve this conflict. Yeah. And that's always the scary one. And, oh, and in, in writing in writing the book, uh, we we or editing the book, I should say, and, and creating the book, we ran into that where 
I would do a, a this is too much inside baseball, but we ran into that and we had to figure it out. Yeah. And that one still scares me. I hate having to resolve conflicts. I, I, I think it matches my personality. I prefer to avoid conflict. <laughs> well, maybe you can teach us how not to have conflicts. That'd be the way to go. You can minimize them. Yeah, minimize them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've probably done enough advertising for another show, but um, thank you everybody for being with us, and we will see you in a while when we come back and talk to you again after what we hope won't be a dumpster fire of Big Sur. Hear that? <laughs> Knock it on wood. Until then, whenever that is, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.